happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace brings the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who gets the silver medal every week in this show, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Also, <clears throat> me, me, me. Happy early as of when we're recording this, but perhaps actually on the day when people are listening to this birthday to you. Aww. Happy early as we're recording this because we're recording it early on Friday, but perhaps actually on your birthday by the time people are listening to this when it comes out on the RSS birthday to you. Now I finished that whole song. No, I will not. But uh, happy, happy early slash actual. You don't look a day over uh, whatever age you want to be, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Pick your age. Thirty-two. What is it? What's the what's the it's ideal 30, age? Thirty-two. Now? I remember when thirty-two was old. Uh, now it's like, oh, if only I could be thirty-two. <laughs> yes, thirty-two. The age everyone dreams of being. Um, After they're no longer thirty-two. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's my it's my birthday weekend, and so we're we are recording a little early, and um, so you know the inevitable breaking news that will happen between now and when you hear this, we won't be talking about. But that's okay. We got tons to talk about. We got good news. We got not great news. We got all kinds <laughs> of. Things. We're gonna give you all your news. We got cool games to talk about. And we have, ladies and gentlemen, if if I was to get a birthday wish, it would be to have this guest on the show. One of my favorite guests we ever have. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable ki- Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for drawing locomotion into characters because we have senior animator at Riot Games. And our friend Lana Bashinsky is back with us. Hey, Lana. Hello! That is the sweetest introduction. I did not know it was your birthday weekend. Happy birthday. Thank I you. almost just joined in on Christian's beautiful rendition of that tune there, but you know, I didn't want to steal that limelight. Um, uh, but- in your defense, it would have been <laughs> difficult to join in with what he was doing. Uh, no, no, uh, who knows? That's part of the charm. That's part of the charm. It was a, it was a unique, you know, once in a this weekend experience, I'm sure. <laughs> oh man Uh, well i appreciate it and uh thanks for being with us early uh we're we're recording on friday but man there's already tons of stuff to talk about and i guess we just jump right in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can give us comments, questions there, any anything you'd like to share with us. We love reading your emails at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. 
Also, we have a subreddit where you can hang out with like-minded folks and talk about the show, talk about video games, talk about whatever you like. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And also the awesome Discord with folks focused around the show as well. It's 5x5dlc on Discord. And Lana, you know, normally I would say, what is your story of the week? Uh, Last week, the number one story that we talked about was just developing. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, as much as I w- want to give you your uh, choice, and I, and I will, and I will, I feel like maybe we should just remove choice from the whole equation just at the top here, and then you can choose a different story mm. that maybe is a little more positive and fun. But I do think we should talk about the ongoing saga at Activision Blizzard and really <clears throat> now the entire games industry. And, uh, of course... You are a uh, an excellent person to discuss this with. Having worked at at, uh, at Blizzard for a number of years, you're now at Riot Games. Um, I don't want to put you in uh, a position that would, uh, you know, jeopardize your employment or uh, force you to speak ill of any former employers. But certainly your reaction, I've been reading on your Twitter feed, uh, you've been outspoken about um your experience and and your opinion about this whole um saga as it unfolds now of course this week over 2000 uh staff members at Activision Blizzard signed a petition condemning the uh, the management uh and um in support of of i think pretty um pretty radical change uh and uh, having a list of demands uh, mm-hmm. for the leadership at Activision Blizzard uh, in response to the lawsuit from the state of California. Um, we saw a response from Bobby Kotick, the CEO, uh, and we saw a number of, uh, the, you know, this story is sprawling, so it's hard to s- summarize it, but maybe I'll just let you weigh in with your thoughts of the last week plus of uh, of developments. Sure, yeah. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it really. Um, I mean, first and foremost, before I would say anything else, you know, I stand with, and I believe all of the women and all everybody who felt like they faced sexual harassment and uh, gender discrimination and general harassment at Blizzard Entertainment and across the industry period across global earth, you know, just as a thing that happens, I absolutely believe everybody. Um, It's, it is so challenging. The other thing I want to say sort of upfront, and this is really, I can't talk about anybody's experiences by my own. I never want anything I say to be like, well, somebody else said that they had this other experience. Of course they did. Everybody had a unique experience. Uh, in their life and uh, at Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, for context, I was there for five and a half years. And uh, I left in 2019 and moved over to Riot Games. And I listed when I left Blizzard that one of the reasons I went to Riot is because I saw it as a place where I could help to push for change um, for diversity and for women in game development. And a lot of folks recently have been taking that out of context and saying that I didn't feel like I could do that at Blizzard. And that's why I left. And I do want to also say a friend that 
Although I did experience harassment at Blizzard, that was not a factor in why I left the company whatsoever. But I saw a space for me at Riot in a place that was actively making change and I think had the potential to need strong voices and strong women in positions. And I did not see a a future for me at Blizzard where I would easily be able to be in a position of leadership and be that strong voice. And so that's why I went to Riot. Um, Everything that has come out over social media and in these articles and in the lawsuit is absolutely heinous. And there is like a weighing feeling of horribleness because I feel like I was isolated from much of it. I actually had, I would say, an overwhelmingly positive experience on my team at Blizzard. I think that is in no small part due to the amazing people on the team, but also because we had lots of women on my team. I worked with on a team of seven animators. There are three, three of them are women and we worked really well together. There was never a time I felt like I couldn't speak up to give my opinion on anything. There was never a time I felt like I was held back because of my gender. And that is not saying that the team was perfect. I definitely experienced harassment on that team and at Blizzard. It just happened to be that my experience was positive. And I think it's because I happened to be nestled in a group of people who protected me and elevated me and helped me to feel loved and that I did have a a place there. And I am so sad to hear how how widely varying others' experiences are and have been at the company. Yeah. And I think if if I may real quick, I please. I think one of the things that's been so jarring is uh and, and it shouldn't be surprising, I suppose, but it, it is to hear it uh, from so many women who speak in, in terms <laughs> that you are speaking in, in a sense of saying, I, I hear over and over women say things like, well, yeah, I, I was harassed, but like, Duh. not, not any more than oh. <laughs> it's like, like that's just like a baseline <laughs> level of harassment. That's just, it, it just seems expected. like it's expected. Yes. And which is, just- Sorry, is, the, is is speaks to the heart of the problem. Uh, you know, obviously there's a bigger problem on top of that, but that should not be acceptable. That is my greatest fear in all of this. And it, it sounds so horrible to say, but seeing lots of people, I've seen many students talking about their feeling overwhelmed, feeling like obviously very disappointed in these stories cropping up. They're feeling fearful of their futures. And it sounds... <laughs> It is unacceptable that this is what I'm about to say, but it's everywhere. It is not game development. It's not Blizzard. It's not Riot. It's not Ubisoft. It is everywhere (laughs) on earth that I have ever experienced harassment. I've experienced way worse harassment at uh, events outside of Blizzard. I've experienced way worse harassment like working in the restaurant industry, I've experienced it everywhere. And my greatest fear is that these stories specifically coming up in the way that they are on mass and this, this concentration will, will have people feeling afraid to join this industry when part of the problem is the fact that there are not enough diverse mm. candidates, diverse yeah. developers in these spaces. 
Yeah. Like the reason people don't report yet, people are afraid or they're afraid of retaliation. But I feel like part of that is because, you know, if you're a woman and you report something happens on your team and there's two women on the team, it's not like there's a 50% chance that somebody might be like, oh, it was Judy, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's yeah. a really hard time of, of having a community that would allow you to be protected and remain anonymous and, and be supported through your career, even in the face of adversity. And so that is 100% my biggest fear in all of this is that it will scare people away from what I truly think is one of the most enriching and satisfying and enjoyable industries you can possibly work in. Yeah. I mean, that's been part of my thought process over the last week is, you know, I think I was um, moved in large part seeing the images of the large number of Blizzard employees protesting in front of the campus in Irvine this week. Um, there, there were some photos that that were posted on social media of, uh, you know, them all together, all masked, uh, holding signs, this show of solidarity of the workforce. Um, and I think that is really a, a powerful image it was for me. It, it was at least, but I, I, I keep thinking like, okay, well then now what's the next step, right? What's what, what, I think it's wonderful to start there, but then what, you know, now in the weeks following, I know that, uh, Kotick put out a, um, a message and, uh, there was a response from a lot of the, um, activists that, that organized the protest at blizzard uh saying that he did not go far enough and they did not address specific points of their demands and i think that's great but i I mean do you have any sense of of what what's next i think the only thing that can possibly be next if there is a true desire to resolve the problem which uh, oh man, there's this woman on Twitter who knocks it out of the park every time. I don't, I can't think of her actual Twitter handle and I don't know her full name, but her username is Leslie comma trailer treasure. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen them. She puts out TikToks about working in game yes. development. She's amazing. Yes. Oh, she is amazing. Knocks it out of the park every time. And she had one that was about this current situation that was like, 30 years ago, they're like, oh, women are saying there's inequality. And there's like some CEO being like, well, we should fix that. It's like 10 years later, women are saying like, like yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. It's been going on for 30 years. Um, if we are in a position now where I think that the population of game developers who are sort of societally aware of inequities throughout the industry are have the power to actually have things change this time but it comes from companies first of all recognizing that they will only be better for having diversity mm-hmm. they will only ever be better as a team uh you know if you want to think about the money you will only ever create more interesting dynamic unique products that you can sell for having diversity you will only ever be more authentic and like be a desirable place to work for having diversity. And so it comes from studios recognizing that that is a good, important thing to actually work towards. And then 
looking at things not from saying like, oh, we've got a lofty goal of increasing diversity at the studio, because what does that look like? You need like measurable steps. You need to know what the outcome is. How do you know you are successful and work backwards? We, you need people at Blizzard at all of the companies, even companies who haven't had an article dropped on them recently, to sit down, take a hard look at their studio, at the personnel who work there, and say, this is the outcome we want to have happen. How do we make this happen? What are the measurable things? changes that we can make so that we can see over time what we're doing. The outcome is we have at least 30% more diverse candidates hired and working full-time at the company. Backwards from there, how do you do that? Well, that means in hiring panels, there's at least one woman present in every hiring panel as you're hiring candidates and uh, at least for hiring over time, 25% of the candidates that you currently hire need to be diverse candidates. And then you can go back and say, okay, that lofty goal, the name of that lofty goal is increased diversity at the company. But there needs to be measurable things so that people who work there and people who are making these plans can actually sit down and figure out if they're on track. Because just hiring like, oh, you know, we enabled a diversity council of volunteers from the work community, like, that's not doing anything. That is such a facade of empowerment that it, it drives me crazy. And it's not something that shouldn't be included. It's just a tiny piece of the actual solid measurable change that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing we saw this week is that Ubisoft employees, uh, nearly 500 of them signed their own open letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously Ubisoft um, had a, uh, a scandal, I guess you could use that term, uh, not too long ago, a similar, similar tone to that. And uh, I would assume that many of these employees felt a, um, a connection to what happened, the lawsuit, uh, at, at Activision Blizzard. Um, I, I think that the fact that it, it is not being isolated to one company that the entire industry seems to be, uh, involving themselves or uh, paying attention or, or showing solidarity, I think is a positive thing. I I don't, I don't know how much you can say about your own, your own company at riot, but I wonder if if you can speak to just the sort of general tenor of the being a game developer in the midst of this is, are, are you speaking with your colleagues about it? Is there discussion? Is there, what, what is the, the feeling of, of what should happen moving forward? That is a a great question. I have actually, this all sort of hit at a time where just personally, mentally, I'm glad it happened this way. I am in, I'm on vacation. I'm in Canada. I've reunited with my family for the first time in a year and a half since the pandemic. And so I have, thank you. I have not been uh, in work chats and work calls aside from some people reaching out to me to see if I'm doing okay or if I need anything. Uh, But I know of several people who have already planned discussions with the immediate group of people talking about safe spaces and diversity and what that looks like on their teams. I also know that Riot, I, I, I truly don't know how much I can or should say about this, but what I can say between Blizzard and Riot, coming from Blizzard, joining Riot uh, a couple months to a year after their articles dropped, 
the amount of pure accessibility and transparency to and from the executive leadership team is staggering. I cannot believe how open the company is on a regular basis with everyone about the global goals of Riot Games. Mm. Uh, and that includes products and that includes like um, initiatives, it includes esports, but it also includes progress from when their lawsuit hit them. What things are they currently doing? What additional people are they hiring? Like people coming yeah. in and, and doing talks about it. Like it's, there's a distinct and notable effort that is present constantly in a way that I am deeply impressed by. And if I weren't deeply impressed by, I would not have joined the company, to be <laughs> frank. I had a, yeah. a lot of tough conversations with a lot of different people on teams and people in leadership about the work that they actively do to make change on their teams. And I've not been nothing but impressed so far. And like everywhere, like it's every everywhere is far from perfect, but like I am unbelievably delighted at the true and pre ever present effort going towards being a more inclusive workspace that is at Riot Games. That's great to hear. Uh, that's great to hear. And I, I do think as depressing as a lot of the revelations here are revelations is even a terrible word to use that the, the, the Anecdotes. Um, yes, the, the information. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. the things that have come out that, you know, I think, you know, Lana, that I absolutely love Blizzard games and have looked up to that company for a long time as, as being a, a, a real beacon of the kind of publisher that I felt like I not only could support financially, but emotionally. Like I, mm -hmm. I, lo I loved what that company seemed to represent um, with b between BlizzCon and, and the way that they fostered community and seemed to uh, seem to have values that I could, you know, support um, that it, it did feel to me like a, a bit of a shock. Uh, it shouldn't, I suppose, but um, it was heartbreaking, but I, and, and so a lot of this has been depressing and, and, and sad, I think certainly for me. And I, and I think for a lot of people, but uh, I do think I like that you are, highlighting this, the, the positivity that's coming from this. And I, I remain hopeful that it really is the seeds of change and it isn't just lip service this time, you know, again, it happens over and over. It happens too often. And, you know, you get a little jaded and you think it just, it, it never going to change. Like you said, with the, that great TikTok where it's like, you know, 50 years ago, 30 years <laughs> yeah. ago, 20 years ago, it, it, it's, but it, it does feel like we are living in a time that it is possible that this stuff can change. And I, I want to read the um, uh, bits from the Ubisoft letter because I found them to be well articulated and pretty, pretty powerful. Um, uh, it says, quote, uh, it is clear from the frequency of these reports that there is a widespread and deeply ingrained culture of abusive behaviors within the industry. It should no longer be a surprise to anyone, employees, executives, journalists, or fans of these heinous acts or fans that these heinous acts are going on. It's time to stop being shocked. We must demand real steps to be taken to prevent them. Those responsible must be held accountable for their actions. We, the undersigned, have had enough. 
it has been over a year. And it goes on about the, the Ubisoft uh, things. Um, from your perspective, Lana, does it need, do we need to see um, high profile firings of, of folks at, at Blizzard? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. do think that for like a multitude of reasons. Um, I don't know. Like I can't na- like name names of people. I don't even honestly know who's in Blizzard leadership anymore. I checked out when I left, but like, yeah. If for no other reason, like, sure, maybe there's good people who are in leadership positions who are doing good stuff, but you know what? They should still step aside and put somebody else there. Elevate somebody else who is going to move the needle on these kinds of important issues. Make space for new candidates. If you really think you are so chock full of incredible talent that you cannot possibly make room for somebody new, or like, like, like replace somebody for somebody new, make space. Mm-hmm. The thing that, like I said earlier, like, oh, I don't want people to be afraid because this is the whole world. It is the whole world, but something that I think the game development is, industry, like as, as big and prolific as it feels, like the industry is so small. And even though it is the whole world, it doesn't have to be us. I feel like the industry is so small and so tight knit, but so powerful both monetarily across the globe and so powerful in the like the massive collaborative effort it takes to make any video game this is the change is so possible and like so tangible i feel like it's right there and all it takes is some people to do the right friggin thing <laughs> like yeah 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 i yeah. do i do think there need to be firings i need to people to be like oh you want to keep being in a big leadership position go start your own thing like get out of there some of the people i'm like retire i know you're just here for the paycheck get out my dudes like get out yeah (laughs) there are people who are hungrier and going to do more for this industry than you are just you know i'm gonna get to too salty here in a sec. I'll move back it up. Yes. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I I appreciate it. And again, you know, I, I I'm I really am grateful for your uh, for being candid and for your um, you know being here and, and willing to speak about this stuff. It's it, it's great to have your perspective as somebody that's been inside this specific company and the industry in general. And um, you know, last week it it. it it had just happened and we were, you know, three dudes talking about it and it, it, we don't have the perspective that you have. And, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And I, I am, I, I don't want to be Pollyanna, but I, I, I am hopeful that this, the intensity of it, the pervasiveness of it, the fact that you can't deny it, it's, it seems, um, it seems like this might actually be a moment where, things actually do change and uh, hopefully things progress for the better. And certainly I think the whole industry is maturing in, in a large sense uh, for a number of factors. Um, not the least of which is that, that, you know, there are more voices making games now. And I think we're going to talk about some of those games later on in the show. Um, and, and, it, and like you said, it makes for better products. It makes for more interesting stuff and so I, you know, it, it ultimately will be a positive thing if this can actually seep into the the people with the money. 
you know, and that's really the, the question. Yeah. Um, Christian Spicer, any reaction to uh, the week's new developments? I mean, we talked at length last week about this. Um, more has happened, obviously. I tried to outline some of it. Uh, there's a lot of details here, a lot of them very distasteful. Um, what, what are your feelings about what happened this week? Yeah, um, I have a lot of them. Uh, you know, to your question, should people go? All of them, all the way to the top. The replies have been horrendous, especially for a billion dollar company or whatever they are. And leaving aside any media training they might have, like Bobby's reply later that the other replies haven't lived up to the expectations of what the company is. Bye. Bye, Bobby. How do you let a statement that important go out without looking at it or approving? Everybody who looked at that and approved it, bye-bye. You yourself, bye-bye. Where does the buck stop? Everybody's just blaming somebody else. Oh, where's a woman? Oh, this uh, Bush administration war criminal was hired four months ago. Let's run her out to say something that, in my experience, I haven't seen anything. No kidding, because you've never been to the office. Bye-bye. Bobby, see you later. How do you hang that person out to dry like that? It is disgusting. And the whole idea of like, we're going to hire a, this major law firm to do an independent investigation oh to get to the bot. No, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, former big law attorney, never on a team that did one of these internal investigations personally, but colleagues that have, um, not always, but 95% of the time, they're a farce because you have to think about who's paying that law firm's bills. Who is that ultimate report going to? And the, every employee rank and file down the line knows that. You can talk to me. Hey, I'm a I'm attorney Christian. I'm working for a big law firm over here. And I want this is an inve- independent investigation. Don't worry. Do we have an attorney-client relationship? No, 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 we don't. My client is the company. But anything you say to me will be given to your bosses. But I will make it, I will not, I will not say it to you, but I probably will. And uh don't worry, it's just it's such it's such a farce. It's, it's, I mean, gaslighting is not the exact right word, but the idea that you're going to drill down and get fundamental change out of having major law firm who in some of these, I don't need to name specifics, the major law firm is part of the person's family. <laughs> it's like, get out of town. It's such just junk words and trying to placate and push aside a situation to then move on and keep doing the same garbage you've been doing without addressing any fundamental change, but then giving you a press release to point back to and say, you did this thing. Along those lines, before I pause my rant for a moment, uh, some of the people who have been coming out and saying things in an effort to defend themselves, no, not like that, not not like that. It's just like, I don't, you just, ha- again, I didn't know I was, yes, I was the head of that group, but woo, I had no idea what was going on in that group. I Bye-bye. feel like any, any person who says they, anybody who's replying, I, I am so, wh- what? <laughs> yes. Like, no, man. Nah, dog. You turn in a blind. Nah, 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 nah. You, it, you would have to be in 
intentionally, willfully ignorant to have absolutely no idea. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And especially, (laughs) these are my words now. I'm not going to put these on anybody else, especially in leadership. With that, aside from looking busy and walking around the barefoot grossly, uh, walking around the office grossly barefoot half the time, uh, <laughs> your job is to know what's going on. Like that's, it, so these these are unrelated to Activision, but two other, again, uh, and Jeff, you're right, we can't have the same perspective as others in this, but two personal experiences I did have years ago was one, when an office I was working at was moved to a not great part of town. And a woman on my team was verbally told by the person stalking her that he was stalking her from a business across the street, asked, we asked for a security guard to still hang around that they had when they moved to this new bad office as the days got shorter and it got darker out. The leadership was like, I feel safe walking to my car. You should too. And it's just like, but you're not, you're 240. You're 6'2", 240, different, like just not listening and being open to that. Or another example from also years ago uh, on a project I was working on about creating characters that are not like me uh, was, you know, I'd love to have some resources to go and do X, Y, Z and being told by leadership that uh, that's a good idea. We should have a diversity and inclusiveness panel. Why don't you head it up and you get zero funding or time to do it? And it's like now, now you get to put on your little Slack message or Microsoft Teams, like, and we have this, but no, you don't. No, you don't. And I'm sick and tired of just, just like this whitewashing or just think you can put out a press release and kind of wash your hands of it and, and, and be done with it. And I'm glad that in back to this specific instance, that Activision Blizzard is being held feet to the fire on these corporate press releases because i think 10 maybe 20 years ago or in my playbook five years ago because that's when everything happened you'd kind of be like they did it (laughs) got it they're going to address it and i think it's you know enough enough and hopefully there'll be real change hopefully people that go see my wife uh, at, at her office will call her doctor the same way they call the male colleagues that and not just go up and go oh thanks amanda and they would never say that to anyone else in that office. It's just, again, I'm getting too angry for someone that hasn't borne the brunt of this for my entire life. Man, this past week pissed me off more so than the last week, Jeff. That's my short answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have one little thing to add that I was thinking about while you're talking, and then we can move on to maybe slightly brighter stories. Those Not Annapurna is, games look so good. You know, oh, yo. <laughs> I don't even want to, I'll sass you in a bit about something, but there is a really interesting, we did this thing uh, as part of Anim state, which is something I'm a, a staff contributor for. It's for animators who are in game development. Um, and we ran the Anim state of the industry survey this past March or something. And in the survey we had people, it's like, it's a small sampling, we want it to be larger. It was like 400 animators in game development. So not insignificant, but would be better larger. But still a very interesting statistic that came out was we had people fill out a, like under, there's 13 different categories or something. And you had to say whether or not you thought this was 
an issue that your studio was currently facing. And it was like problems with process. It was um, struggling with technology, um, engine support, like a whole bunch of different things. But one of the things that was in there was culture. And of everybody who replied saying it was a problem for their studio versus the general industry, I think like 15% of people said, oh yes, this is a problem that the industry faces. But of people taking that same thing, only like five or 6% of them said it was a problem at their studio. Mm. And I think that's an interesting statistic because first of all, anybody who doesn't think there's a culture problem in the industry, whoa, interesting. Um, but like half the amount, you think at 50% of the studios just using that, what, or a third? I can't do math. I, I make art, not math, okay? But like, <laughs> like a fraction of that amount said, not my studio. My studio is great. And if you have ever thought to yourself, oh, it is such a shame that this is happening everywhere else, but my perfect safe haven is great. And you're listening, whether it's your, like you're in games or not, wherever it is you work, please take some time to self-reflect about your experiences from an objective point of view. Take some time to talk with your colleagues about their experiences, because I bet, I bet there's work that you can be doing and it's tough and it's not fun but it can be, and it only gets better. So please. <laughs> that is, I think that is a, a fantastic point to end this conversation on. Um, because I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? It's easy to hand ring and say, Oh, wow. Shame, shame, shame on everybody. But the real opportunity here, the real opportunity when faced with, I think a mental paradigm shift, right? Certainly those of us, some of, some of us who are men and don't haven't thought about enough about this, uh, I'll put myself in that category. Somebody that just blithely has walked along and assumed that people are nice to each other all the time. Um, <laughs> the opportunity is to go, okay, how uh, the opportunity for actionable uh, movement, you know, the things that you can actually put into practice yourself is to look at what you do in your life and the people you interact with and how you can improve that situation yourself instead of going, Oh wow, boy, they should this and that. Oh boy. The, the old, people over there, bad, bad, bad. I, I think you make a great point, Lana, that it, even if you're not, you know, actively, <laughs> actively harassing people in, in some kind of cartoonish manner, uh, there are ways to still improve, you know, your interaction with other people, your, the opportunities that you can provide to other people. And, uh, it is something that I certainly will, uh, think about a lot and try to put into action myself. And I hope we all can. All right, let's take a little break and we'll come back and, uh, talk about some, some more fun video game stories, but, uh, certainly grateful to have Lana Bashinsky here. Uh, to lend her uh, insight into that story and others. Let's talk about our sponsor, Squarespace. Man, it's been it's been such a pleasure to have Squarespace along the ride for this the entire length of the the DLC podcast life. 
We have uh, had Squarespace as one of the first sponsors, and they're still big supporters of the show. So I'm I'm grateful. I've actually been using Squarespace long before I ever did this podcast. I mean, they sponsored the Totally Rad Show back in 2007. And that's the first time that I learned about Squarespace. And I've been using it and recommending it to my friends and family ever since because Squarespace is just, it's just easy. It's just a great way to make a website. If you have any reason to have a website, uh, you can turn your cool idea, your your uh, your portfolio, you, if you have an online store, anything, any reason you have to have a website, it's easier to make it with the tools provided at Squarespace. You can blog, you can publish content, and you can make it yourself. You don't have to hire someone to do it. You don't have to learn HTML. It's so simple. The tools at Squarespace make it easy. You start with beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and then you just start customizing it. Drag stuff around, make it your own. It's awesome. Drop in e-commerce functionality with a, with a couple of clicks. It's so simple. And everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to worry about that. You never have to patch or upgrade the base software. It's all handled for you in the background. Plus, there's analytics to help your business or website grow in real time. Built-in search engine optimization. So simple. So easy. 24-7 award-winning customer support if you should run into any issues. And free and secure hosting. So make it yourself. Use Squarespace. Check it out. You don't even have to give them a credit card to try it. All you got to do is go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial. And then you can build your website. Build the whole thing. Make it, see how it works. Make sure you like it, you love it. And then when you're ready to publish it, when you're ready to launch the website, use our promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. All one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Great way to buy domains there as well. Over 200 extensions they offer. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me. All right, Lana. So take two. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Yeah, my story of the week was something specific. I'm like verifying quickly. My story of the week, it's like a meta story because my story of the week actually is the fact that not just the fact that Outer Wilds is getting, okay, the Annapurna showcase, but not just the fact that Outer Wilds is getting a DLC, but my story (laughs) of the week is that it wasn't even included in your list here of all of the games and um, studios from the Annapurna showcase. So my story of the week is the absolute insult (laughs) over and over again about this game. I get it. You it's don't my like shame. it. It's my intense shame. Yeah, yeah. How's, how's your playthrough going? At least I stood up and said, I tried it. I don't like it. You keep saying you're I'm gonna going play to play it. I do. No, you are. You're I, moving in my, like a week. You're never going to play this. What? I can't play it in my new house? I can play no, it in my they new don't, house. No, they don't allow that in that state. It doesn't transport. <laughs> they don't allow it in that state. Uh, yes. No, we are. At a there is there is a I choked laughing like legit jokes. <laughs> there is a an expansion for the Outer Wilds coming, uh, and gosh darn it, I I, I do want to play that game. I do. I hear people talk about that game like Lana on this and show. others. Yeah, yes, on the- <laughs> and people I, do. I person. want to play it so badly, and you know what? You know that the real horrible thing is that I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a game in our uh playlist segment and I I already know I already was thinking like Lana's just going to get mad at me because 
the thing that I'm going to praise about the game is exactly what she's been telling me Outer Wilds does really, really well. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm super excited that it's getting an expansion. I feel like that game, you know, it, it has this this really lovely um, support system of people who who believe it is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people. It's so good. The, even if just hearing only the there music was a again. way that you only there was a way that you could be one of those people. Like it's how can not we that I, Yeah. <laughs> Every time I play it, Lana, ex, ex, explain to me. Say, how, it took me a bit to get into. Yeah. How, like if I didn't have my partner, also named Jeff, um, like being like, oh, we're gonna play Outer Wilds. I pro- I don't know if I would have been able to push through. Not like the first ten hours. Like the first three hours like it took a little bit yeah. to get into but like i was also really distracted it was during my busy season there's a lot going on but by the end of it i cannot tell you i was standing in the living room hands on the back of the couch because jeff was controlling it and me going we did it like cursing like crazy wow. just in the absolute joy of being like yeah that's what's up yes uh, take that yeah. it was so good so what I've here's what I've done. I, I mean, I've gotten into the loop. I've like flown my little ship and landed on a couple of places and died and see, like I get the concept of it. I have not found the joy of flying the little ship. I hate flying the little ship. I I, I really I don't like landing the little ship. I don't think that's uh, where the joy comes from. The joy right, is when but, you're, have, but that's the hump ahead. I have to get over, right? Maybe maybe like we pushed through it because I was sitting there cackling watching Jeff try to control the ship. <laughs> like good good luck bud maybe i loved it because i didn't physically do it in this case hmm. i did it rarely but the joy comes from like okay you get used to the ship controls you know the less you play the more challenging it is because you have to relearn it every time but like right. that moment that you're like wait i am flying around to these planets sure you know that one's falling apart that one's like two planets i guess like kind of ambiguous and then you notice sort of one thing at a place and you're like but what is that and you're kind of exploring it kind of exploring it and then you die and you're like well what was that that was something new yeah and when you get that thread and you just start pulling it and unraveling this whole thing that's when it all really comes together for me. okay so I, I desperately want to fall in love with this game you know you have no idea i i really do and and it, it hurts my heart every time you come on and you're like you still haven't played it but <laughs> So, so I've had that, like, I've had that thing. I get to the planet, I find the cool, like little alien artifact thing. And I'm like, Ooh, what it, I'm, I'm curious. And, and then I take them, I'm, my curiosity leads me into a death, you know, I die. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta get back in the ship and fly back to that. I don't know how to get to that place again. And it's going to be a hassle finding it. And, get, and I just wanted to, I just want to push a button and be back there. But mm-hmm. I know that's not the point. So I know you're very resistant uh, to friends, but have you ever wanted? <laughs> I would play through the. <laughs> I would play through the game again with you. I would download it. We could stream okay. it, and you could have my experience where I you could just cackle when the ship is not going well, and you could just enjoy the puzzle. I would love that. I, I, you say I'm resistant to friends. It is, it's called being a nerd. And when I was, and, and not, I don't know how to have friends. Christian will tell you, I don't know how to have friends. I don't have friends well. I like the idea of having friends, but I'm just, mm-hmm. I, 
I'm more comfortable sitting alone in my room. That's just He's the truth. very excited for the expansion to Friends, though. Like, when that comes out, it will be his most... <laughs> All right. Enough It'll be about his me. most anticipated to maybe play... Probably not. I am... Uh, it's, it's something that I've I've come to learn about myself is that as much I love I love I want to be included but I'm I I'm just more comfortable being by myself uh, anyway but I want I, to I want to I I don't I don't like that about myself anyway let's not talk about me Annapurna Interactive had <laughs> Jeff's psychoanalysis episode um, Annapurna Interactive had their own showcase this week of which a new expansion to outer wilds was only one uh, just a, a small part there was a lot of uh, a lot of cool announcements including games from now i have to say i don't know if you're like me in this sense atlanta but i basically pay attention to everything annapurna publishes like they're the same it's like they're my favorite publisher now the idea that a game is being published by that company means i have to pay attention to that game it always interesting different unique cool projects so many of my favorite like indie indie things in the past five ten years have been from them um and lots of really cool games uh announced or or checked in on that we haven't heard from a long in a long time like the artful escape which i think i saw at a pax like three years ago um what were some of the other than the outer wilds expansion what were some of the games that got you most excited from the presentation of the ones that I had not personally seen before, of the ones that uh, Outer Wilds expansion, uh, there's uh, some gameplay from Stray I was really excited about. Um, but the ones I haven't heard of before, the shooter from Blendo games. Um, yeah. Looks. It's like a, a, a weird, uh, what's it called? Skin Deep? Yeah, Skin Deep yeah. is what it's called. Yeah, weird. go ahead. I love this quote. It says, looks very weird in its first stinky gameplay. Very into the stinky gameplay. Definitely looks like a weird, fun, silly uh, game that it just looks like exactly the kind of thing that I would love. Um, yeah. Blendo made uh, Quadrilateral Cowboy, if mm-hmm. anybody remembers that game, which is sort of cool, like mind bendy, fun first person game as well. Uh, and this one, it, it does look like a shooter, but it's like quirky and weird and it has cats. You know, it's, it looks cool. Um, excuse me. Um, and then the other one that uh, I was really interested in, uh, which I was surprised by because I did not love Donut County, but Neon White uh, from creative director Ben Esposito. That was yeah, the... couldn't be farther away from Donut County, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, mean... <laughs> I, got, I was like, oh, Donut County. Meh. But then I saw, I mean, saw the gameplay and I was like, this is nothing like it. It looks deep and fun and, and challenging. Like, uh, I really like the... I really love the idea of having like these speed leader leaderboards. If anybody didn't see the trailer, it's sort of like a, you have a set level and you have cards that have a gun and an ability on them. And so you have the choice to use the gun or discard the card to use the ability. And there's enemies and things and sort of platforming through this level. And uh, your goal is to get through it as quickly as possible. Your goal is to get through it, but they clearly are showing off like speed runs. They did one run. It was 22 seconds. They immediately showed off a second speed run. That was eight seconds. Um, yeah. It looks very, very, it looks fun. It looks fun to me. Yeah. Really original idea. I mean, it kind of looks a little bit like mirror's edge meets a mm-hmm. card game in a weird way, but yeah, this, this notion of a, a card that is a gun, but it's also a card. And if you discard the card, it lets you jump, you know, or something crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. it's these wild uh, combination of, um, 
uh, uh, it, it's a cool decision point. Like you can keep the cool gun. If you have the submachine gun, for example, it's, it works like a submachine gun and you're going to have to kill enemies, but discarding the submachine gun lets you like teleport through the level in a cool way. So maybe you want to throw away that card, i.e. that gun in order to do that cool thing. It's such a interesting decision point. I've never really seen a game do before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it almost reminds me um, a little bit of like old Quake Mm. where you would like get the rocket launcher and you get like the god armor and you kind of like blow yourself up through the level to platform the speed of it right yeah Yeah, it has that kind of vibes and i love i love that so pumped cool again that's called neon white uh we don't is just i I think it's just that uh like telling mobile developers like rip this game off you know like come at me bro that was the heart (laughs) like donut county was so at the time original and unique and cool and then all these want you know like just copycats ripped it off um and neon white looks not not that this is why it was done but it looks like one again an original idea like you both mentioned but then also far more complex than something like donut county seemed at at first look as well yeah he's he calls it ben esposito calls it a game for freaks uh and we don't we don't have a release date for it uh but it's coming to switch and pc uh christian did you have any standouts from the Annapurna showcase that yeah I mean, you your, keep calling it the Annapurna showcase but to me it's called solar ash um and that's, that's <laughs> yeah. all there is because solar ash is an inline skating game i don't care what anyone says uh they're like neon no those are rollerblades and it looks amazing and it's from the hyperlight drifter team friends of the show and hyperlight drifter is an incredible game one i still have on my iphone as a as a regular go back to i always have this with me kind of game and watching this beautiful rollerblading running around traversal combat. I'm not exactly sure what the combat loop is going to be yet, but the combat in Hyperlife Hyperlight Drifter was phenomenal. The soundtrack, the aesthetic, everything about that game, you know, was firing on all cylinders. And if they're able to do that and then speak to me personally and make it rollerblading, uh, I'm in. <laughs> it, it looks so good. And it's yeah. this year. It's this yeah. year. This is awesome. Uh, the uh, the game from Outer Loop. I, I love Outer Loop as a developer. Um, they made uh, Falcon Age and um, maybe one of I think the top most underrated games of the last decade, which is Dino Frontier. Like nobody played that game, but it is so good. It was a PlayStation VR game. Ugh. Anyway, Outer Loop, or at least maybe it wasn't called Outer Loop when they made that. Regardless. Uh, the folks there coming out with a new game uh, that is got themes of immigrant culture, uh, growing up in the United States, uh, gossiping aunties, overbearing parents, and family pressure compa- uh, combined with skateboarding looks incredible. It, it, I mean, I just am such a fan of that developer. Um, and uh, I mean, there's so many cool things. The, uh, Jessica Mack, who, who worked on Everyday Shooter and Sound Shapes, uh, showed off the beginnings of a game that looks a little bit like Res. Uh, looked incredibly cool. I I played Artful Escape, like I said, like three years ago, and was super excited about that game. Uh, Annapurna is 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 my favorite publisher. It's just like the most interesting stuff coming from the most interesting people. It feels like they it, it feels like they are a curator of awesome games. That's what it feels like to me. That they just like find the most uh, these these diamonds in the rough and present them to the world. And I am so. So down for it. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? I mean, those are them, right? Like, I guess 
it's like uh, Christian ensures he never works with Activision Blizzard again. I guess maybe that's next week's. It's <laughs> <laughs> a running theme. Story. Um, there's some other things here, but I don't know. Like none. I, I guess. Okay, dude. Ugh. It's not on there. My story of the week is that Jeff is an idiot for how overbroad he makes his predictions. Because if he had just said most games get delayed, I'd be all. plotting him every week. They're, all, every time, they're all getting delayed, dude. Every but they're time all getting delayed. Every time there's one that's come out, which there has been, thank you, Nintendo. Uh, I get to say that you were wrong, no points. But that being said, as my text to you earlier today said, I hate you and your predictions. Because <laughs> 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 it looks like Horizon Forbidden West is as forbidden as the name suggests. And it looks like it is going to be pushed to early 2022, which means, if this holds that this holiday season will see Xbox with Halo Infinite and uh, Forza Horizon 5 also on Game Pass, and it will see Sony with Deathloop, which comes out in September, but is also owned by Microsoft. Like, I love my PS5. Uh, Props to Insomniac for making great games for it. Um, And I don't think they're going to stop selling by any stretch of the imagination. But Horizon, and again, support devs and um, delays are important and work-life balance and don't crunch and all all of that stuff. Yes to all of that stuff. This is merely an observation of after the last state of play where they showed so much of this and said, it looks like we're on track for a holiday 2021 release to have Horizon slip as well. Uh, You know, PlayStation, it's looking like they don't have any big first party hitters coming out until 2022 and I, I think that's a that's an interesting story to say the least yeah I, it, also kina bridge of spirits was delayed uh, oh, yeah. again uh, stray also delayed I yeah talked about annapurna that game looks great you see that cat driving that cart adorable it's so easy <laughs> to just say all the games christian and then you'll I, equally be right based you know? on an incomplete you know sampling maybe you could say that <laughs> but <laughs> uh it is a it is a bummer that we won't get what is my, I think, most anticipated game of the year uh, for 2021? Now it has to be 2022, I guess. Horizon Forbidden West. I, I, I just, I'm so excited to play that game. And yes, you want the game to be good and you want it to be done and you want to give the developers all the time they need to make it, but you can still be disappointed that you won't be playing it earlier rather than later. And yeah, it does leave a, a giant hole in the Sony, uh, you know, tentpole holiday season. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but it also, I think, interestingly, from our little corner of the world, makes the game of the year for DLC wide open because I felt like, you know, Christian and I always are, we have our own personal top fives and our own personal games of the year, but then we try to agree on the show's game of the year. And there is this Venn diagram of our interests that overlaps almost entirely in third-person action adventure games. <laughs> and so nine times out of ten, we are awarding a action-adventure game as our game of the year, and it seemed like a fairly safe bet that Horizon Forbidden West would be that game this year. And I feel like now, with that game not coming out in 2021, all bets are off on how what, what game? What game could we possibly be naming as the game of the year for DLC? ratchet and clank as it fits that mold a little bit (laughs) it does interesting i don't know there's been a lot of great games but i agree had or does forbidden west come out this year and assuming it's of the quality of the last it seems like a 
a shoe in that that would be our game. And now, you know, it is, it's a wide open race and everybody, you know, I know the industry is waiting on bated breath to see what we think. Is our game <laughs> yes. <here>. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> needs to know. Everybody needs to know. Uh, I just need you to play. It takes two. And then, and then we'll know, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, I would, but you know what they say, it takes two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one who hates friends, Lana. I was going to say, resistant to friends. The irony of you closest pals being so resistant to one another. <laughs> oh, wait till, our, wait till our playlist, though. Wait till our playlist. Yeah, well, wait till our playlist. There's friendship. And also, I think, and this might be a little uh, spoiler for next week's episode, but I think for the first time in DLC history, I think the plan at this moment is that we will be recording the show in the same location at no the same time. No way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I mean, so exciting. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm moving and all my stuff's going to be gone, so I might be going over to Christian's house to record the show. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see. What if he lets mean? me in. Yeah, there you go. You will be outside on your laptop and I'll be inside. <laughs> Just be using your Wi-Fi. That's all that matters. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we don't have to belabor the new segment any longer. Uh, I, I do think it is interesting. This, this story of, uh, you know, last week was really when the announcement that Sony acquired Nixus, I think that's how you pronounce it. Nixes or Nixes, the, um, the company that, uh, it specializes in PC ports. Uh, they did a, a few PC ports of, um, Sony games already. And now there's confirmation that the entire reason for the acquisition or a big part of the reason for the acquisition uh, is that they want to do more PC ports of Sony exclu- exclusives. Uh, Jim Ryan talked to uh, Famitsu Magazine. Um, he's the president and CEO of Sony saying, yeah, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're excited to provide more of our IP to PCs, um, which I think is, is a big deal. Obviously, we've already seen Days Gone, Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, and um, uh, Death Stranding come to PC. But... Uh, I think this is going to be a trend that is going to continue. Maybe we'll see Uncharted and other games, maybe Bloodborne, who knows, coming to PC. I think that's kind of a big deal. Um, Lena, I know you're a PC gamer primarily. Uh, are you Are you excited to see more Sony exclusives coming to PC? I am. I I definitely think just opening up those franchises to people who haven't had the chance to play them. Uh, there's a period of time in my life where I sort of played everything years after people played them because I had a friend lend me a console and I was like, man, these are great. I see why people like these games. And so I'm just really excited for the future. I am very fortunate now to be able to have a PlayStation five locked out on that one big time. Um, but for folks who maybe can't get a hold of it to like play that collection or whatever it's called, I'm really, I'm excited. I want, I want everybody to play video games and all the video games that they possibly can wherever they want to play them. So yeah. Like Valorant on mobile. When do we get a release date? Gotcha. Boom. Go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What is that watch? Next. Tell me. Tell me now. <laughs> Next. Uh, all right, Christian, any, any final thoughts on that? I know we've, we've been doing news for quite a while here, so we can move on. But, uh, you know, I think I think it's a good thing, although it, it does, you know, people can't get a hold of P- PlayStation 5s. So maybe there's less it, reason to have a PlayStation 5 now. I mean, uh, the, Microsoft was always the the people we were talking about for this generation of like, well, maybe you don't even need to get an Xbox. Well, maybe that also applies to the PlayStation 5. I hope so. Track record shows that, you know, they, they release them much after they come out on consoles. I would yeah. love to see more stuff running on, on PC. 
And I'd love to see that PC release stuff ironed out. Like I sent you this link earlier, the Ascent on Game Pass on PC doesn't have DLSS or ray tracing, but it does if you buy it on Steam, even if you're on P- like you mean, it's still on, weird, on Game right? Yeah. On Game Pass, sorry. Yeah, Game Pass yeah. on PC it yeah. doesn't have it, but if you buy right. it on Steam, it does. And Sony games coming out later, but then updated. And I, I would love to see more day and date stuff as everything is essentially x86, right? Um, I'm hopeful, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we got lots of games to talk about that we are actually playing. So let's jump in to the playlist. Lana, what has been gracing your playlist this week? Well, not as much as I would usually like because I was working super hard just to get in, uh, prepared for this trip to Canada. But I did have to play two games recently that I loved uh, in the Nintendo Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. First was Link's Awakening, that remake. Yes. I know, not new news, but I'd never played Link's Awakening. I've never played any Zelda games other than Breath of the Wild. And it was fantastic. Oh, man. It was so good. Like well, such a- uh, very different than Breath of the Wild. Uh, yes, were you? Uh, I would love to hear your comparison of those two experiences. Like, I, you were a fan of Breath of the Wild, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing I think is really interesting is I've had a conversation a couple times about sort of uh, you know Breath of the Wild being the first experience. My second Zelda experience was actually uh, Cadence of Hyrule, mm-hmm. which is obviously not a Zelda game. It's just a Zelda skin, really. And then now yeah. Link, Link's Awakening and, you know, when Breath of the Wild came out and I remember saying something like, oh, I get why people like these Zelda games. There are so many people who didn't love Breath of the Wild. They were like, this is not a Zelda game. This is nothing to me. And, like, we're really aggro about it. But, like, they're like, it's so different, like, dramatically different. And, I mean, the play style, yeah. But, like, thematically, obviously, like, the characters, the look of the world, and maybe I'm too, like – chill about this but to me i'm like i like it feels it feels like being in that same world that i love in not a way that is so desperately different that it felt like 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 um like whiplash it was like oh yeah they're cute things i'm i'm link i'm a cute guy running around this little world doing cute swipeies with my sword and i've got a shield like (laughs) There are yeah. things that were so like the through line. I think is really obvious, and I I really loved it. Much more structured, though, right? I mean, it's not that has, doesn't have that open yes. world feel to it, and um, you you were still into the and I think a much more many more puzzles than than I mean that's not really true. I mean, the the shrines, has all the temples, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but I guess different kinds of I don't know. It feels traditionally maybe, gated puzzles, like the yes. shrines were kind of self contained and mm-hmm. the old air quote traditional Zelda puzzle like builds on itself where it's like I need this to do this to get to this to do this and then I go and it feels bigger to me but it's actually fairly linear and I know that Link's Awakening kind of undid that a little bit um, but it still is that traditional one the game is kind of one big puzzle right and then Breath of the Wild is all these micro puzzles that are self-contained yeah it was interesting playing because Jeff watched me play and so I'd be like Oh, I got like a stick, and he'd be like, "Oh, that's the trade-in item." Like he like he's played all of them. He's like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna go, you're gonna trade it eventually, and you're gonna get something you need." And I was like, "Oh, cool!" Like knowing the things that are like quintessentially Zelda. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I really liked it. I feel like the different moods 
I like the different play styles. If I like, if I were to sit down and have the option to play one or the other, I feel like if I had just a little bit of time to do some stuff, I would definitely pop open something like Link's Awakening, do like a task or two, feel like I'm moving things forward, being in a cute world, and then be able to shut it down. And with Breath of the Wild, I feel like I would, okay, I've got at least an hour or more to sit down and really immerse myself in this world. And like, Mm. for some reason, try and power climb this mountain in the rain, even though it sucks. Like, I love the different flavors. I love that there's sort of different times that I would play the games. And I mean, everything about the design of the characters, the music, like the, all of the art surrounding that game was like so immersive and beautiful and wonderful. Oh, the, the upgrade that they did to that, you know, I I love how everything looks a little bit like claymation almost, you know, it's it's got the the tilt shift camera or whatever to get like really short depth of field. Oh, it was I really loved the experience and it felt yeah. like it did feel contained, but I didn't feel, I really just liked walking around the world and like, I don't know how many times there's like in the town square, that field of just a bunch of plants that you can chop down and there's yeah not anything in it. I chopped that whole thing down like 10 <laughs> times just cause I could. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it, 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 there's this feeling like the way that they did the art or, or the way that they added little uh, highlights here. And I mean, you're the artist, you'll be able to tell me the techniques, but it always felt like I could pick things up and squeeze them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everything felt really tangible and tactile. Like you could picture the material. Like if you were going to touch that thing and it was a real thing in front of you, you can know it would feel in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, You've also been playing a little uh, Pokemon Unite. Um, I I guess that game is uh, catching on. It's a a couple, second time we've heard somebody talk about uh, that game. Yeah. I, I missed uh, I I didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode, so I'm sorry if anybody's listening and they're like, we've heard it. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but Pokemon Unite, I, I did only get to play a very, very little bit of it uh, because I've been super busy. But, I mean, it's the Poke MOBA. Right. I, after, like, working on MOBAs for six years, I, I mean, you got to try it out. A very interesting. Um, I was very interested going into it seeing – I mean, Nintendo's so wholesome and Pokemon specifically, it's like, oh, Pokemon don't die. They just get tired. They get, you knock them out and then you have to go wake them up or whatever. Seeing like how traditional mobiles, it's very much like, who did you kill? When did you kill them? Like, like so fast and edgy. This definitely Mm -hmm. has like a, a lightness to it. Not only in like, obviously the Pokemon theming. But, like, you're never destroying people's towers. You're going and sort of, like, scoring baskets almost. You're, like, putting energy um, and, like, literally, like, slam dunking them in these rings that are in your enemy's territory, uh, which is very cute. Um, And the games themselves, like, the other lightness is, like, the longest game is 10 minutes and they're timed. So instead of being, like, I mean, the number of times I've sat down and been, like, you know what? I've got 25 minutes. I'm going to get a game of Heroes in. And then it happens to go for 40 minutes and I'm very late for whatever I'm done or I had to DC and like be horrible to my team. Like it's 10 minutes no matter what. And so I feel like that sort of easily accessible, like it's only on Switch right now. It's not mobile, right? It is. It's, it's mobile as well. Oh, see, that's like, it's perfect. I think that is like a perfect, and I think there's options for five minute games too. So it's literally like, oh, I'm waiting for the bus or, you know. Yeah taking a dump or like whatever it is you do when you're on your phone, like play a quick game of Pokemon Unite. It's fun. 
and I'm like just ranting about it now, but it is also like surprisingly deep. Like I would expect like, oh, these cute Pokemon are going to do cute things. But it's like, even in the tutorial, I expect to just kind of beat everything up. But I was like, no, I died twice because I was too, <laughs> too confident. And I didn't realize that, oh, that's the support Pokemon on the team. And like seeing right. how their kits are built. Uh, there really is like an interesting level of depth to how like you choose your abilities and what you're, I mean, it's a MOBA. It really is a MOBA. That's um, great. You know, it's not, it's not just coasting on its IP. It actually yes. has, it's, a, you know, MOBA-ness is, is, is good too. And that's, and yeah. I should say it's, excuse me, man, frog, it's, it's mobile coming to mobile. Uh, I think it's like September or October right now, but the plan mm-hmm. was always to be cross play all that stuff across switch and mobile. So it can make all the monies. <laughs> yeah. And probably will. Uh, it's funny though. I feel like the world has sort of, uh, or the video game world has sort of moved on from MOBAs a bit. And it's interesting that this one is coming at this time uh, to show that MOBAs are still a thing. They're still a thing. Everybody went, no, we're doing battle royales now. Everything's battle royales. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, Pokemon's like, well, uh, we're going to do a MOBA again and uh, people are going to play it. So yeah. That's interesting. Um, all right. So it's Link's Awakening and Pokemon Unite. Mm-hmm. Christian Spicer, your playlist has something in common with mine. And that is the new xbox game pass release at least that's where we're playing it uh the ascent right yeah buddy i am playing on my series x is where i've been playing it same z's same z's in fact (laughs) just to show lana she's wrong we played together last night like like real friends real friendsies <laughs> Indeed, we did. I figured out who was going to be our guest on the show, and I was like, "Ugh, I guess I will." So that's the only re- uh, the only reason I played last yeah. night with you because was because you of <laughs> yes, of this moment. <laughs> Just to stick it in your face, Lana. Oh, for all those times I'm privately messaging you, you guys are fake friends. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I show her to talk about those texts, but <laughs> yes, not over here. <laughs> Sorry, tell- I don't know anything I'll- about the ascent. The Ascent is what if Diablo was a sci-fi shooter, Ooh. Uh, basically. Uh, it's a little, actually a little more to it than that, but that gets you, I think that gets you in the door. If that sounds good to you, I think you're going to dig it. Um, and then twin you, stick it. I know you can mouse and keyboard it. That's not how either of us played. Um, right. So like, I wouldn't describe Diablo necessarily as a twin stick shooter, even when you play on console, because it's still... What is it? A is your attack? Um, I forget. Um, I think on Nintendo it might be B, um, which are where I played a lot of Diablo 3. Uh, but it's twin-sticked, right? So you're moving with your left, aiming with your right, and then firing. You still have with, to fire, yeah. It's not right tr- true twin-stick is you just point the stick the direction and then it shoots. It's kind so, of always pewing, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say it is a visually beautiful game when it is running like a screenshot i don't know if it necessarily does it justice um yeah it's like gorgeous character creation looks a little bland and and like not clay fightery but kind of has that clay like when i, I was just in the creative character i was like ooh, i don't know and then you get them running around in the environment and like stuff's destructing exploding barrels are going off like parts are breaking off of people as they kind of explode and some of the most impressive exploding barrels i've seen yes and you know there's a long history of exploding barrels in video games and these are i would say top tier exploding barrels just 
every time I think we would comment like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, like it's real crowd pleaser. I think, Lena, you would particularly uh, appreciate the animation in this game. I think that there's there are so many cool effects and like awesome flourishes that are added to it, it really is a game that um, seems to have been a labor of love from a visual perspective. And, and there's from so a much small team, small, super small team. But there's so much detail that's added in that they didn't they could have gotten by with a fraction of the detail mm-hmm. uh you're, there's like all kinds of uh just random animated little creatures and stuff that's moving through the environment that aren't bad guys there aren't any they're not affecting the game in any tangible way but they're critters. just yeah just adding uh, adding uh tone and and uh and spinning and mechanical parts yeah. moving and it's cool the lighting also like the atmosphere i'm sorry I'm, i've looked it up since we're chatting about it, it looks yeah. beautiful yeah, it's, it's really stunning. It's very pretty. Like I said, I have not played it on PC with ray tracing or DLSS, which I've heard ray tracing can, if you turn everything on, can really take a hit to performance, which doesn't surprise me for what it seems like this game is doing. But I, I, I'm really impressed with it. I've I've played two hours of it uh, at this point. An hour was with you last night, Jeff, and then another hour. And this, I have a couple of nits with it at this early point. And my other hour with the game is after you had to sign off to go do your other, uh, work, um, with my other friends, with your other <laughs> podcast. Also your friends, uh, Jeff only true. podcast so we can have friends. Uh, That's so true. <laughs> you want to hang out tonight? I don't know. Are we going to record it? Yes, Jeff will record <laughs> it. My wife will record it. We'd love to have you and your wife over for a podcast. <laughs> But my nit, and this is common across a lot of these games, it's a little nit, little yay, but I went to continue playing and I didn't have that save. Like you created that lobby. So my second hour was the same hour I just played, but I got a little further because the yay is my character I did keep. So I had my character and all the guns we had unlocked and, and the gear that we had unlocked. So moving through that first hour was a little faster, but it's just a, a bummer where I, I should be able to continue it also. And you should, like, you should, we should both yeah. have instances of that save. And then my other knit, having played through it twice, the game gets really good. It seems like after that first hour, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the, the, the gun it gives you to start is, I, I will speak for both of us uh, here. It, it feels like we were both like, Ooh, this, this doesn't feel good good this something feels off this isn't quite right and then you get your next gun and we were both like off and running yeah um and also you start putting skill points into stuff and it starts feeling a lot better it's one of those things where like the game i understand why the game starts you where it starts you but also it doesn't put its best foot forward and you go this just feels wrong but it's like oh yeah well because you haven't leveled up anything and there's nothing you haven't got the cool stuff yet yeah. Yes. Yes. And so but I think there's a way to make games where you feel cool and then you level up and you feel more cool, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, I mean, the, the other common way that a lot of games have done it, and this isn't necessarily better, is like the old school Metroid version where you feel cool for the first hour and then it <laughs> right. takes all that away. And you're like, right. Well, I've already played an hour. I guess I'll keep playing. <laughs> no, I want to feel that again. You're just chasing that first hour feeling again. It's like, yeah. 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 But as it opens up and you get game games you get more guns and powers and you're really kind of running and gunning it felt really really nice my only other knit and i know it's going for this dystopic dirty 
cyberpunk vibe. Like I have not seen the clean part of cyberpunk yet. Like this is just trash bags and bodies and that. I, I don't know if I love its uh, tone and or humor. Like there are words that if left alone are just kind of innocuous words, like a body part uh, that men have testicles. Fine. That is a body part. The way it is used and referenced in this game feels as if it's going for like bro laughs. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's required for cyberpunk. There's another word that left alone uh, is fine. And it's splooge. And that's a word. That's it is weird. It is weird context. that cyberpunk seems to be synonymous with that tone, right? I Why don't think that? it has to because so Blade Runner's not. Yeah. You so know? It's, like a, yeah. it's like a narrative experience. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, much more narrative than I would have thought. Uh, it, it, there are large sections where you're not shooting anything, uh, and there's like but it is, you can get yeah. multiple quests at once, and all the quests have little cutscenes and spoken dialogue, and there's like Ooh. cities to explore. And I mean, explore it's is not a, Uncharted. No, but it's, it's and more it, than yeah. it's more than Diablo. There are moments in like yeah. the hub where Jeff and I were like, "Oh, we'd be killing things already." And yeah, you know, torchlight or something. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to use other companies' games as examples. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and, and then also just kind of in the world building, and part of it again, it, it is like this gritty aesthetic. But I don't know why. Again, as you said, Jeff, it, there seems to be this connection of that culture to so much cyberpunk, and I don't think it's needed. And then NPC talk and dialogue, the way, again, some of these terms that can be used in a totally different way are used. It, 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 they're just not landing for me. Other people might love them, but I, I kind of wish that part of it wasn't there. That said, yeah. the core gameplay loop is fun. And I, I, I hope that that, um, I don't even know what to call it. Tone. Yeah, just tone, cyberpunk dude tone. I hope it doesn't become stronger because I could see it ultimately turning me off, but it hasn't gotten to that point yet. I think this is why a lot of people are calling it like Diablo meets Borderlands because it's kind of got that Borderlands humor, which is hit or miss for, I think, both of us, Christian. Um, But I think I'm actually higher on the game than you are initially. Uh, I'm really excited to play more of it. It got real fun real fast for me, and... um, I think we had a couple of pretty challenging encounters that required us to use some tactics and like think it through. And it was, it was fun and, and getting cool weapons is cool. And I feel like the game doesn't really dole out, at least in the early stages, doesn't dole out a lot of uh, loot lot really fast. You, but you know, you're cool that we both got it. Like, I love yeah. that. Like, it wasn't like, I got this cool gun and I'm like, I didn't. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> other than the save game thing you mentioned, I think it handles yes. the co-op experience pretty well. Uh, yes. It makes it seem really fair. And, um, you know, everybody kind of gets everything and you're, you're progressing. And the, the checkpointing system was really, I think really, uh, forgiving. nice to the, pl- yeah. yeah, forgiving is the word. Um, so the ascent I think is, is really, uh, it came out of nowhere for me. I mean, I know, I knew it was coming out and I had my eye on it, but I didn't expect it to be as fun as it was right away. And and I'm excited to play lots more of it. I think if you have game pass, this is a no brainer to download. It's, it's, I think really solid. And I think played, it's a $30 purchase. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just say you played two player, but is it four player? Is it three player? No, it's, I think it, there's only two. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it is more than it. It's is it more player. than two? Yeah. It's four oh. player. There's couch oh, co-op, online co-op um single player as well it, it seems to be the whole package and i and i think it is just a 30 dollar um game I, I i think aside from game pass i think if you have friends and are looking for something you know new to do and you want to pull away from something else it, it, 
again, two hours, a yeah. lot of that being the same content. But so far, I, I really recommend it. It's pretty well, fun. One, one other thing I want to point out about it that I think it does uh, not sort of novel that it does, I've never seen another game do, is it applies first-person shooter mechanics to a top-down isometric perspective in a way I've never really seen. Like, there's cover, and you can crouch behind cover, and then if you pull the left trigger to aim, if you pull the left trigger to aim at any point, you sort of aim slightly higher. So most of the time, your your character is shooting from the hip with whatever weapon they've got. And you're aiming, even in the top-down isometric perspective, you're aiming at hip level, which hits most enemies. But if you hold the trigger, they will raise their weapon to sort of head level, and you can shoot that way, but it slows down their movement quite a bit. And because it's very twin sticky, uh, you want to keep moving a lot. You'll be strafing and, and moving around a lot. So most of the time I was shooting from the hip, but then there will be situations where I will get to some stairs or something and an enemy will be at the top of the stairs. And so I could hold the left trigger and raise up my gun and actually shoot them from the bottom of the stairs to the top because it actually raised the elevation of my shot. And then similarly, you can get behind cover, crouch down behind cover and shoot over the top of it like you would in Gears of War, or, you know, a third person or first person shooter. But you're doing it from this top down perspective. And I've never really seen a game do that before. I thought it was so interesting and and a cool approach. And it works pretty well. It like adds a layer of strategy that you don't usually get from games like this. I thought that was neat. Yeah, and I I learned when I was playing solo and I had more time to read the prompts other than like in that multiplayer, you kind of want to keep moving. It's like, hold on, I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, the high shot also, if it hits the enemy, uh, creates more stagger. So there's some strategy there too. It slows you down a little bit, but you can stagger them and then you know slow them down. Fun. Again, that's The Ascent. Christian, I know you also were one of the lucky few that got into the Halo Infinite test that was happening uh, in the last couple of days very jealous although you know it's multiplayer only right it is what an emotional roller coaster i signed up i had my all my flight information set up and got the the pc information they needed and i got made sure my email address was accurate and i was checking it and i saw it going out and i never got an email i checked my spam i checked my 400 other emails (laughs) (laughs) just to make sure and i was just like oh well i get it you know i haven't put the most time into the master chief i get it and i was real sad and i was okay and then i started feeling, I was like, well, I'm just going to read about it. I, I'm just, I need to, I need to scratch that itch. I went to Halo Waypoint, signed in and there was my invite. Like it, I, I never got the email, but it was there in my messages. And Christian was a very happy boy. My kids were like, dad, you said you'd play with us today. And I was like, <laughs> get your own invite. Let's squat up. Um, <laughs> I was very excited. My friends, it is just multiplayer only. Well, there's like the single uh, training at the armory right now where you get to try out guns and it's timed and, you know, you try to hit targets. And I'm very excited for what that training, the what the air quote lab Halo Infinite has, the final version of their lab that the game has. I think that's super important for competitive games to onboard players and give them ways to feel like they're getting better other than just go play the game, bro whether that's bots or again, having an aim trainer kind of in the game or not, I think is very important. And I'm excited to see what halo infinite launches with when it's full. Otherwise it is a classic halo death match to 50, um, four V four slayer 
on a very classic Halo feeling small map uh, against bots. You you are a team, and then it's against bots. Shout out to three four three Ellis, friend bot friend of the show. Three four three Ellis, who thank you for letting me kill you, bot three four three Ellis. Um, it feels so good. It. I, I'm not the person that's going to tell you all the differences between one, two, three updates for Master Chief Collection, what Reach had, this, that, and the other. I know that I spent a lot of time with Halo and I would carry a VCR, which we needed to connect it to hotel TVs and Xboxes with me when I traveled in college for track so we could play LAN in hotel rooms as as we were away at meets um, and then played all of them subsequently after that. Oh man, it feels it feels so good. It feels like Halo in all the right ways. You know, I talked about before how Destiny kind of captured that feeling as Bungie moved over and how it's the premier first-person shooting experience. This limited, you know, flight test, it feels great. Like it has a left trigger, right trigger for even your based gun, base guns but it's not a big scope in for like the assault rifle or something like that. Something that's not the battle rifle, but you can still kind of punch in a little bit. So it's not halo one where you're kind of just air quote, always shooting from the hip, but the way it punches in still captures that feeling. The grenade bounce feels right. The jump feels good. There are so many little things that when you start playing, it feels like how you think halo should feel, which I think is big because that, isn't necessarily a given uh, each time a game comes out. And then there are really smart little updates about where weapon spawns come in and it being announced, you know, like a uh, sniper rifle incoming and or power item incoming and you see where, it, you know, where it spawns. And then aside from that, there's a countdown timer on top of it. I remember playing longest in Halo 1 and being like one person's job on my team was to count down to when the rocket launcher came back, you know, and they'd be yeah, able to be like coaches in, in the esports used to do that, right? Yeah. And so to have that kind of cued in game and the weapon lockers, it shows you what weapon is going to spawn there. And it lets you know if it's, it doesn't have a countdown on it, but it's like kind of grayed or greened out. If it's not coming soon, then I believe it turns red if it's about to spawn there in a little bit. So you kind of know whether or not to hang out. And then the game's use of abilities, where I think in this flight, there's only um, an armor, like super, I forget what it's called, because as we're recording this Friday, I've played maybe an hour of it so far. Um, uh, like an armor perk, an armor buff, and then the shield that you can kind of, a uh, uh, standing cover that you can throw in front of you. But kind of seeing that as their solution to how Halo has played with powers before, like run, you know, was a, upgrade and was that halo three maybe halo four um and those are items that you pick up on the map and then if you have one you can drop it to get the other one and the kind of the risk reward and how long they take to deploy is really interesting for the shield and then also to you actually take this thing for the armor and activate it and slam it into your chest which is pretty cool and fun to see it's not like an instant buff so you have to play that right um and then the other thing that I really like about it is the customization for the Spartans. You have, you know, your armor colors and then different pieces that you see that you unlock. And as you play in multiplayer, you see that for your team. Your team is then silhou- silhouetted with like, I, I believe it's a blue kind of transparency. So you always know where your teammates are. 
it's still red versus blue, but in a way that allows you to still customize the look of your armor. And then the other team, they all see themselves customized, but to you, they all have a, a red glow on it. So it's easy to see who they are. And it's not, I don't need to worry that, oh, this person customized their armor to look blue <laughs> and now they're on a red team. You know, they're an active camo, essentially. It's it's not that. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. It, it just feels really, really good. And again, one map, one mode, but I'm, I was already very excited for this full game to come out. I'm not going to be good. I'm constantly third or fourth on my team in terms of kills. My kill death ratio is okay. Um, and we're playing against bots. But man, just getting hands-on with the controller and getting the feel for it, I'm very, very excited. And I've played it now on my PC, on Steam, and constantly you know, above 90 frames per second, everything turned to ultra. And I've played it on my Series X and in the living room on my Series S. And they all played and ran fantastic. It's really nice to see Halo running at 60 frames per second on console. I know Master Chief Collection added that but like old school reach and stuff like that. And um, Halo 3, those were all 30 frames. And it's really, really nice to see it running fluid. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really nice. I'm, I'm very high on the game right now. It feels great. Halo Infinite. It looks like uh, the game of the fall, <laughs> perhaps. perhaps. Forza, Forza Horizon says hi as well. But yeah, yeah I, it, it's shaping up again. Who knows? But... Maybe Battlefield in their sandbox mode will, will blow this thing out of the water, um, yeah. the portal mode. But so far, again, from a very limited hands-on test, the best thing I can say about it is that it it feels like Halo, but like Halo in 2021. It feels real good. Mm. I want to talk about uh, a game that I have been playing that uh, it, I think is really special, really, really cool game that maybe some folks aren't aware of. It's called The Forgotten City. This game started its life as a Skyrim mod uh, back in the day. I think like 2015, somewhere around the 2014, maybe even. Um, won a bunch of awards. Uh, I think I won a BAFTA uh, for writing what? as an, a mod. Like it was a mod to Skyrim. And now it is a full-fledged standalone release. Uh, and I think... If you know going in, it's a Skyrim mod, you probably can see the DNA of Skyrim in it. But if you didn't know it, I don't think you would be like, oh, that looks like Skyrim. It It's gorgeous. I think the graphics are m- much updated. The whole presentation of it, it really is has its own identity now. Uh, it started as a Skyrim mod existing in the world of Skyrim. Uh, but now it has nothing to do with that fantasy setting. It's now... Um, set in and around a uh, a historical like roman city a fictional hidden roman city the game starts you wake up on this shore and you don't remember how you got there and this woman tells you that uh, her companion had uh, run through this run into this um this archaeological dig this this these ruins that they had found and hasn't come out and she asks you to go in there and find him and when you go in there, you are transported back in time to the uh, the Roman era, and you are inside this city, and you're trying to figure out how to get back to your own time. There is almost no combat in this game. It plays out like a murder mystery. It's not really a murder mystery. It is a mystery, but it plays out like you are a detective 
talking to people, investigating, looking around, finding context clues, putting things together, solving people's problems, trying to figure out what's going on and how to get back. And it, I think this game is really, really special. Um, the writing is great and I can see why it won awards. Even games that you say have great writing in video games often pale in comparison to novels and films and TV shows and stuff. Uh, you know, the Naughty Dog games are sort of in that echelon of being on par with a movie or a TV show. But beyond that, there's very few games that I think have great writing. This game has great writing and really excellent uh, voice acting as well to highlight the writing. Um, the, the one thing it makes me realize, though, is we got to get past the just staring at someone's face when you're talking to them dialogue stuff. You know, I, I don't know about you two, but when I when I'm playing a game that has, uh, you know, displays the text and I have multiple um, dialogue options, uh, dialogue trees to select how I respond. And I'm just staring at the face Skyrim style, you know, just like zooms in on the face and you just stare at the face. I, I, I can't help but read the subtitle. I can't like I have no nothing else to do with my eyes and read the subtitle. Yes, I will read ahead no matter how good yes. the subtitles there. Yes, because there's nothing else to like the, the I think the character models in this game are excellent. There's so much detail in the character models. They look far superior to Skyrim. Much work was done to make them look great. And I think for the most part, they look great. But when you're looking for six, seven, eight minutes at a time, you're talking to a character and you're just staring at the lip sync of the face model and it's super close. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. It it is. I don't care how visually impressive your character model is. I don't want to just stare at the face of the person I'm talking to. We have to figure out in games a way to make a more dynamic camera during conversations or figure out something about that because I'm just going to read the text. Yeah. It's gotta be like, uh, what's it called? What is it? The Meisner technique where like when you're having a conversation, you have to be busying yourself with something else and it'll come across as more authentic or whatever. Like we need that in those cutscenes because you sure you're reading ahead, but also you're sitting there picking apart like, man, this guy blinks almost never. He's really just staring. Like, like the amount of like, moments where people are just going to criticize your game and honestly criticize like, Oh wow. I can see that this is just procedurally generated lip sync. It kind of looks bad. Like it'll, there's a lot to that experience that can detract from it, but it's like, you are already having idle animations in the game. And like, think about any, I've never made one of these games. So, and so I obviously like, I'm probably pitching things that people be like, that is so far out of scope. You wouldn't believe, but you know, in my perfect world, you walk up to somebody who's having a conversation and you know, are they a knight? Okay, they're sharpening like their spear. And when they're talking to you, maybe they'll look at you every once in a while, but they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Oh, you're talking right. to somebody at the market? Let them keep going around. If you're just going to procedurally generate the lips on top of whatever they're doing, let them keep playing more interesting idols. Um, I think uh, that's a great, great suggestion. Yes. Meanwhile, <laughs> I've been sitting here this entire hour and a half, sitting perfectly still, <laughs> not blinking, only just moving staring. my lips. <laughs> Well, um, I will say, you know, as uh, go, go ahead, Lana. I was going to say, Ghost of Tsushima. I I don't know if this was intentional, if they just made this choice, just because they're like, oh, we don't really want people looking at this lip sync or whatever. But they had really pulled out cameras for conversations, and you're yeah. not going through big dialogue trees, but like you could walk, look at things in the background, you could see the whole environment, and like maybe it was like a clever thing that was like, oh, 
you know, don't That's look at point. don't look at it, but it was effective, I think. Well, that I, I, that I expansion that... might be my game of the year, Jeff. Now that oh, I'm here we go. It. The uh, <laughs> the I understand that if you're playing a game, you you want to have a conversation. Because you walk to that spot, that's the spot you decided you want to go to, and you don't want the game to take you to another spot. But I also feel like, can't we, uh, can't we West Wing this a, a, a little bit? <laughs> you know, can't we like walk and talk? You know, and maybe we end up back at that sp- same location. And so when you're done with the dialogue sequence, but wouldn't that be cool to have? You know, if you watch the old Law and Orders, right? The it's what you're talking about, Lana. Every character was like, so what happened to the body? I don't know. They murdered each other. But meanwhile, he's like packing boxes and putting mm-hmm. the fish in the fish case. And like everybody's doing stuff in Law and Order. They never are just having a conversation. They're always doing stuff. I feel like – and by the way, no one lives forever in 2000. The year 2000, the first No One Lives Forever came out, which – can we bring that franchise back, please? I don't know who owns that because Monolith doesn't exist anymore. No, but that franchise is clearly dead, as the title of the game suggested. No one lives forever. Did it in two thousand? They had every dialogue scene you got into in that first person shooter was shot like a movie. It like had shot reverse shot. It was dynamic. It was interesting. But did it cut to a cutscene? No, no. You're like, well, the, the big camera change. Yeah, maybe, yeah Yo, maybe it was. I'm gonna make it. Know, I'm gonna make yeah. a game, okay? And then I'm gonna do the complete opposite, where people are gonna be like, "Just chill. Can we stop when I'm having a conversation with you? Every person, they're gonna be doing something. They're gonna be doing a plain old idol, and you walk up to them. They're gonna be like, "Walk with me." And then your characters are gonna go like climb a mountain and jump off a waterfall the whole time you're going through the dialogue trees, and eventually just port <laughs> you back to where you started. But every time, it'll be so like dynamic. It. It's gonna blow your mind. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you'll never read the look subtitles. At. You're going to be like, what right. are they doing this time? Oh, they brought, they're juggling. Okay. <laughs> you're just like, just everyone's a juggler. <laughs> this guy's a box packer who juggles boxes. This this is a fisherman. She juggles fish. <laughs> this, this guy's yeah. delivering a baby. Okay. I guess we're. <laughs> the queen is juggling princes. Yeah. Like, Do you know anything about the great? amulet of raw he's like i'm delivering a baby right now it's like oh yeah i can tell you all about that (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh i i i digress but i think uh the forbidden city is a really cool game um so basically what you uncover is that there's this city with the the, they call the golden rule where you're not allowed to sin in any way you're not allowed to break any rules and if you do there is some mechanism by which all these statues, these golden statues come to life and will attack you and turn you and other citizens into solid gold statues. So if you do anything, if you steal, if you kill, if you lie, any, whatever they consider a sin, it will, it's a transgression against the city and the city will attack you. So, but the game does this really cool thing where it like puts you into situations where Maybe you have to. Maybe you're going to have to do that and then see what happens. Or maybe you're going to have to cause someone else to do that. It's really the best kind of storytelling, in my opinion, is moral uh, moral predicaments where there's no clear answer, right? You're, 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 the game really does a great job of putting you in a position where you really need to think about it and there's no... There's no easy way out of this. There's, you're going to have to do something a little bit, no matter what side of the decision you come down on, you're going to have to compromise something. And 
I think that's good writing. And uh, it's a really interesting game, different kind of game than than most games that are being made. And certainly one I think that's worth a look for most people. It's called The Forbidden City. All right. Uh, that's going to actually do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Lana Bashinsky, it is always an absolute delight having you on the show. Thank you for being here again. Thank you so, so much for having me. Such a delight, a very bright spot in a otherwise pretty weird, weird week. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you do on the internet. Yeah, the best place to keep up with me is Twitter. On Twitter, I am at Latienai. That's L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E. Um, and usually from that account, you'll see all the other things I do. I also run the Riot Animation Team Twitter account. That's at Rat Animators. And we do Twitch streams sometimes talking about animation, talking about game development. Um, and that's about it. Awesome. Very cool. Christian Spicer, how about you? Twitter is also the best way, at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. You're missing out on gems like this. Variety tweeted out that Criminal Minds, the Criminal Minds revival at Paramount Plus is dead. To which I said, now we just need to use some behavioral analysis and profiling to figure out who killed it. That's, if you love mm. Criminal Minds, that is a gem. That yeah. is yeah. an unappreciated, that's probably why the revival didn't get picked up is because that gem of a tweet also did not get so you can, you can, Yeah, because you can get writing like that for free, you know, on Twitter. <laughs> Absolute gem. Uh, I have a newsletter with even more gems <laughs> you can subscribe to for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. Thanks for everybody who's replied. I'm going to get back to everyone uh, shortly. And I think that's it. This show usually, I mean, often, but not the last few weeks, but often I stream live on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. We typically record live Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. Please get vaccinated because I look forward to touring again soon. And yes, I, I'm not please. right now. Take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Happy birthday, Jeff. You're old. <laughs> I agreed with so much of what you just said. Um, <laughs> you can always... Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I have some other shows if you want to check those out, including The Filmcast. No longer called The Slash Filmcast. The Filmcast. We are on our own, living living it up. And uh, you can find that at, uh, <laughs> I don't even know. Do we have this? I think we have the, the filmcastpod.com. I don't know. You can still go to The Slash Filmcast, or you can still go to slashfilmcast.com and find it. Or just search for the Filmcast on any uh, podcast app, and uh, you'll find our discussion of movies and TV shows. Hopefully, you don't hear my children screaming their heads off right now. I don't understand it. Right <laughs> I outside heard them my yell door. out, "The Green Knight is phenomenal!" Is all I heard. They really <laughs> seemed into it. I watched it last night, and uh, I, my one Kept recommendation the kids up late. <laughs> would be: do not go to the ten thirty p.m. showing, as I did. It is a very slow movie. Very slow, mm-hmm. slow movie. All right. Um, also, the, uh, the, the, the We Have Concerns is a comedy science show that I do with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, and I do the Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons & Dragons show. Uh, tons of fun. Really excellent show this week. Uh, very RP heavy. Really great storytelling. One of our characters has become a king. And what all of that means. Uh, heavy lies the head that wears the crown. It's... Uh, 
Very, very cool stuff. So check that out. You can find The Dungeon Run anywhere you get podcasts. You can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run, or you can watch it live Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. And you can always email us here at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Lana, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. I almost was going to give possibly the weirdest parting gift you would ever get. Well, now you have to do that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Or or you don't have to. Or you don't. It's so weird. I love it. I'm completely enamored with it. It's the strangest thing and most delightful thing I've seen in a long time. But then I told somebody else recently and they were like, very disgusted. <laughs> it's not disgusting, in my opinion. I'm not, I'm selling it. I'm selling it. The build it. up for this is incredible. Okay, so here's the tame one. Here's the tame one first. Uh, I read a book. I do think it's a young adult. So it's a super easy read. Uh, it's called A Darker Shade of Magic by Victoria E. Schwab. And it's great. I really liked it. Fun magic, hmm. fun world. Um, I read her, I read a book by her, I think it's a her, right? V. Swamp. I read a book called, what begins with a V? Vicious? Villainous? Mm. What was that called? Did you read that one? No. I I think it's on my sister's shelf and I haven't read it. I got to shut up. Never mind. I read that one. It was pretty good. It was a long time ago. It's pretty good. I I enjoyed it. It wasn't like my favorite thing ever, but I really, I enjoyed it and super easy. So worth it. Um, Okay. I'm at my sister. This is my second. This is the weird one. I'm at my sister's place. Um, you should not use this parting gift unless you like um, magpies. So. Unless I like what? Magpies. Magpies. Okay. It's a type of uh, bird. bird. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so she had some uh, food in the fridge. Uh, she had actually bought some nice steaks and we had forgot about it just like in the hub of like reuniting we're hanging out with his friends and like we went to go cook them and they'd gotten a little funky and it was like oh this is a bummer now we have to waste this food super tragic don't waste food but when i asked her like i said something later she goes oh yeah i just want to put them in the bird bath (laughs) and so i didn't realize this but when she wants to like get rid of food scraps instead of like throwing it in the trash or even trying to compost it immediately um so it doesn't go to a landfill, like anything that's kind of compostable, that's kind of reasonable, she'll go put it in the bird bath and the magpies eat it all. So she put two full ribeye steaks in the bird bath and they were gone within an hour. <laughs> did you watch it consumed? Did if you see I it? Did had it known. Was it like was it like a, a descending of a thousand magpies or was it like one, <laughs> one magpie who just hoisted she, it away? She told me I didn't, if I had known that this was a weird thing that she did, I would have just been glued to the window waiting to witness what happened. She said once she had, for some reason, like 400 tater tots that she put in there and it was like. As a, one does, as just has 400 does. extra tater tots. You know. And so she put all the tater tots in there. She said like all the magpies and all the squirrels. And all the birds in the neighborhood were like having a, like a throwdown of the bird bath, but it was clean, clean, no stink, no co- compost, like not oh, a gross thing within, within an hour, always whole eggs, not even a shell remains. I anyway. feel, I feel like this is a great plan until the day 
that the the woodland creatures decide they want food and you don't have any extra tater tots. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's one thing. I like, I don't recommend it. A lot of people hate magpies because they're like violent predatory birds, but to other animals, not to humans. And they're yeah. like, they have a horrible sound. But if you like yeah. crows and magpies. <laughs> until that day when you look out your sliding glass door and there's just <laughs> 300 of them staring back at you waiting for the feeding time. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you got spare meat, Put it in the bird bath and see what happens. All right. <laughs> and also a darker shade of magic by V.E. Schwab. <laughs> Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? I also bathe in meat. <laughs> uh, my parting gift, I, w- I-, I would just say just do regular composting. It's great. <laughs> it's pretty easy. They have bins you can buy that make it not smelly and gross, but also – can I tell you guys right now, it's an it's odd that you're both bringing this up because um, I, I'm moving out of state, which means that we can't move any of the stuff in our freezers, right? You just, there's no way to move your freezer food mm-hmm. so that we have like all this freezer. And I'm so aggravated to be throwing away freezer food that is perfectly good freezer food. But there, what does one even do? You can't give that to the magpies because they got to wait for you, hours while it know, thaws. You know what you do with your freezer food? Uh, you give it to friends. It's this concept. Yeah. But we've established how I feel about yeah. friends. <laughs> well, I look forward to us doing an in-person podcast next week now, just so Jeff can give me eight pounds of never-eaten <laughs> freezer food that he's eight. had for for like eighty. Yeah. <laughs> Eat it, Jeff. Eat that freezer food. I'm here. It's thawing. Let me in. <laughs> and give me the Wi-Fi password. My real parting gift is uh, athletics or track and field on the Olympics. The Olympics are, you know, problematic in terms of infrastructure and displacement and all of that stuff. As a track and field former good track and field athlete, I like when that light is shown on the sport, despite. The, the problems that the Olympics have as an organization. Uh, I love watching athletes competing at their highest. And I love when athletics and track and field gets that spotlight for a little bit. And as you're listening to this now, uh, likely on Monday, um, the track events are really gearing up and getting going and uh, give it a, give it a look. Maybe you'll enjoy watching some of those races as well and seeing people. I love the mixed four by four that they're doing this year. Uh, men's and women's combined to run a four by four together. It's very fun and exciting to see people where they, they place different athletes and, and how that happens. And it should be, there's some real banger of athletes that are in these Olympic games that should have some really exciting races. So check it out. My parting gift is, I think I've talked about the show about the show before as a parting gift. If not, do yourself a favor. And it's very adult, but I'm not very adult. It's a, it's for adults. It's not super adult, but it's very, it's whatever. Uh, it's on YouTube. You can find the show about the show, which is a show where every episode is about the making of the previous episode. It's brilliant. It is extraordinary. Uh, this fellow by the name of Kaveh Zahedi, uh, is the, the center of it, the creator of it. And it becomes this exercise in radical honesty. Uh, he basically just bears his entire life before the camera and it is incredible. So I've talked about that before. I think if not watch that on YouTube, it will, you'll be awestruck by it. What I'm here to tell you about is that he is kickstarting the third season of the show about the show, which is about the making of the second season of the show about the show. 
And his kick, he has a very small audience. More people need to know about this thing. I have backed the Kickstarter uh, at a pretty high price point, actually, because I believe so much in in what he's doing. It's disturbing in a lot of ways uh, on a certain level, but I think he's kind of a genius, artistically incredible, like committed on a level that I can't even fathom. Um, So check out his Kickstarter of the show about the show. If you're curious and you just kind of want to, you don't want to watch an episode, but you're curious about what's going on, my colleague at the the Slash Filmcast, or now the Filmcast, has a show called Culturally Relevant, and he just interviewed Kaveh Zahedi, and I listened to it today, and it's extraordinary. Uh, it is a great interview. Dave Chen does a great job interviewing Kaveh Zahedi, and they talk about us on the on the Filmcast talking about his show, which is so meta and right in line with what he's talking about. Uh, and it's really interesting to hear him talk about us talking about him. It's uh, so cool. So check out the show about the show Kickstarter. And if you can, de- can donate, I want him. He, so he's kickstarting the third season, but he's making the fourth season as a monthly Kickstarter goal. So if you kickstart, if you pledge to the Kickstarter for the third season, the fourth season is about the making of the third season and he's publishing the fourth season while kickstarting the third season because it's about the Kickstarter for the third season. <laughs> it's brilliant. All right. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Jordan Clark. And I love this kick, this, uh, this, this parting gift because I also share it. He says, uh, Jordan says, uh, hi, Jeff and Christian. I'm a big fan of the show. And congratulations on the recent 400th episode. I've heard Jeff talk about Bluey on more than one occasion. Yes, I love Bluey. My three-year-old daughter has recently become a fan, and it is certainly a charming show that even makes my wife and I laugh out loud. But my parting gift is not for Bluey the show, but rather it is for Bluey the album. Recently on a long car ride, my daughter was wanting to watch Bluey. I said we couldn't watch it, but I'll see if they have a playlist of sorts on Spotify. And I found Bluey the album. It recently released just early this year. I was so surprised at how catchy some of the tunes were. Most songs start with some voiceover from the show and then go into an instrumental song. All the songs capture the spirit of the show, and they're also very fun to listen to. I even found myself listening while at work. I remember Jeff mentioning his son was a big fan of The Midnight and honestly thought these songs reminded me of that style. I think you both would enjoy Bluey, the album. Sincerely, Jordan Clark. Jordan, I'm here to tell you, buddy. We are down with the album in my household. Uh, it is on constant rotation. I totally agree with this. The album, even absent watching the show, is phenomenal. I don't understand how Bluey can have the best writing of a kid's show, the best animation of a kid's show, the best music of a kid's show. It, it literally is like all the best, the best voiceover artists of a kid's show. It is the best kid's show I think ever made, and it is top tier on every level, and the music is great. My favorite tracks are The Pool, which is the one that's most like The Midnight. It's like this 80s synth dance thing. There's a song called Who Wants to Dance, which my kids put on and just bop around the house like maniacs. Uh, There's a phenomenal one called Message from the Fairies, which is like this Irish jig, classic Irish jig song that is, I dare you not to dance listening to that. Uh, Taxi is a great song. I mean, there's, it's it's a great album. So yes, kudos for Jordan and his family for listening to it. And if you have kids, highly recommend Bluey the show and Bluey the album. All right. 
That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Lana Bashinsky and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. And thanks to each and every one of you who download the show and listen to us every week. We are so grateful that you do so and give us some of your time. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>